Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Natalie Dignam. Today I'm talking with Megan Stuckless, the Programs Manager at the Conservation Corps of Newfoundland and Labrador. Megan began working with the Conservation Corps in 2007. Her appreciation for the cultural and environmental well-being of our beautiful province, as well as the not-for-profit sector, has grown with each passing year. As the current programs manager, she finds great value in being able to support and advance the goals of the organization. Being a mother and working with youth inspires her to continue working towards sustainability and cultural and environmental integrity for those to come. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, So I'm hoping that you can tell me a little bit about the Conservation Corps of Newfoundland and Labrador. Sure. Uh, Conservation Corps of Newfoundland and Labrador is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing meaningful youth uh, training, employment, and skill development opportunities, um, as well as uh, to support uh, organizations and municipalities throughout the province uh, in their cultural and environmental conservation goals. So the Conservation Corps is, is kind of a uh, umbrella organization that is helping all these other organizations across the province with conservation. Exactly. So our goal is not to go in and dictate to any one municipality or organization what their priorities are. We really want to seek to support um, what's already happening and what um, our partners feel need to happen. So we have you know, fantastic municipal, municipal partners, fantastic community groups and organizations and nonprofits and educational institutions all across the province um, who already know, you know what needs to be done in their uh, areas of expertise or in their communities, in their regions. Uh, our goal is to support them while also creating um, opportunities for young people to get involved um, and and to develop skills, to uh, gain experience in the labor market, um, and understand more about cultural and environmental conservation in the province. And do you know how long the Conservation Corps has has been around in Newfoundland? Yeah, we've been around for 26 years. And so we have um, we have some, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, we've had a couple of wonderful, really phenomenal communications um, and marketing people working with us to kind of um, help raise the profile of the organization simply because we have been around for 26 years. And a lot of people know our programs, but don't necessarily know that we exist. Um, and, you know, the thing about it is we can reach more um, individuals reach more community groups, uh, support more municipalities if more people know that we exist and that we're around. Um, so we, we, you know, our goal is to kind of just to, to, to be in touch with. We already have a really extensive network um, across the province, but we're looking to kind of continue to build and strengthen that um, so that as new uh, priorities and opportunities present themselves, uh, we can be there to support um, if, if there's an opportunity to do so. Um, could you talk a little bit about, uh, like you said, you, you guys have been around for quite a while and done a lot of projects. Can you yeah. talk about some of your past projects that sure. maybe yeah. people don't know about? Absolutely. Um, so we really are a pan-provincial organization. We do seek to support all areas of the province, um, and that's allowed us to be involved in some absolutely amazing projects and amazing work. Um, this year alone, we're working um, with, with uh, groups Um, doing conservation in terms of um, bioremediation projects that are supporting culturally and uh, environmentally sensitive areas. Uh, For example, with the Miapukek First Nation, um, we are uh, working toward uh, helping with waste reduction strategies in different areas of the province, uh, helping to reduce single-use plastics in certain parts of the province. Um, We're working on a a number of sort of wetland um, and watershed conservation projects. We're assisting with research um, for renewable energy uh, 
uh, research projects and um, for um, fishway and um, waterway uh, habit ha ha habitat rehabilitation projects as well. And we're also doing a variety of things in terms of um, cultural conservation. So that uh, includes a lot of um, collection of oral histories, gathering of uh, historical data and research. We're looking at, um, there's, we have one community partner who's doing research on um, uh, soldiers from the First and Second World War in their community and compiling their stories and their, their history, their data. Um, we have uh, another partner, our uh, Nomak, uh, no, sorry, Nokma uh, village in Flat Bay um, is um, working on a really amazing community garden project where they're including elders and traditional knowledge and combining that with young people in the community to sort of do not just um, a community garden space, but a space that acknowledges and um, honors their heritage and the way things have traditionally been done and passes that knowledge and that information on to, to young people. Um, so we've had um, sort of a really wide scope, and that's just this year. We've got you know 26 years of history working in, in those types of projects as well um, throughout Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, so we're we feel really privileged and really um, honored to be allowed to be a part of and to support that work. We certainly don't take credit for the work that's being done. That the, the credit goes to our partners and to the young people that we work with. Um, but we're, we're we're pretty privileged to be a part of it for sure. And there are kind of two uh, different parts of the, the Conservation Corps right now, and there's the Green Team and the ECHO program. So what, what are those programs? Yeah, so we actually have three main youth employment programs. Um, so Green Team and ECHO are the two that you mentioned, and we also have the internship program as well that we're just getting ready to ramp up for the fall. Um, Green Team is a team-based employment model. Um, so in addition to working on a cultural or environmental conservation project, um, a Green Team will typically be comprised of one team leader and three team members, so a group of four young people uh, who work on a project um, that requires sort of the human resources of four individuals individuals to, to complete or to pursue throughout, throughout the summer. That typically happens in the summertime. Um, during the general school break, um, it, there can be some variation in terms of that, the timing of that program, but that's generally when it happens. Um, and it, it, you know, we do quite a bit of training around conflict resolution and team dynamics and, um, uh, you know, how to build healthy relationships in the workplace, um, as well as environmental and cultural conservation training. Um, occupational health and safety is really important to us. We want to teach all of our young people how to work safely and the importance of working safely. So the Green Team program kind of incorporates all of those things um, as well as the element of learning how to work in a team and how to work through challenges and issues and how to have make sure that everybody's voice is being heard and, and problems are being resolved. Our ECHO placements um, are also phenomenal opportunities um, hopefully for our young people and our community partners we certainly think so um, in that they are single positions but they are often opportunities to work um, directly with environmental or cultural conservation groups in the province um, who have um, identified an area where they can offer a really meaningful opportunity to a young person and also um, gain the skills of that young person um, and the efforts of that young person and put that back into their project. So um, ECHO has been, as, is, is, a green team is, is 26 years old. Um, the ECHO program is uh, just three years old, so it's a new one for us. And we actually created that program in response to community partners who have worked with us for a long time, saying, you know, we really, really want to work with you guys again. We've had great experiences, um, but we don't have enough work for four people. Or the project doesn't lend itself nicely to team. It, you know, it lends itself more to single, single placement um, positions. Um, and so we try to figure out, you know, what can we do and how can we identify, um, you know, a variety of funds that will allow us to offer those, that, that, that support. And are um, these, these both summer? 
Yeah, yeah, primarily Echo is, is summer as well, absolutely, yeah. and Green Team as well. The internship program typically runs through the fall and the winter, and that is intended to offer um, a, an employment opportunity to a recent graduate. Um, we don't put a real tight fence around what recent means, so it can be you know within the last couple of years, really, depending on, on the individual. Um, and again, that allows the opportunity for our community partners to access some really, you know, fantastic skill sets, um, while um, also operate, offering an opportunity for a young person to kind of get out of that cycle that everybody hears about, which is it's hard to get a job without experience, and it's hard to get experience without, mm-hmm. you know, being able to get a job. So we look to sort of bridge that gap and um, offer some support in, in doing that with with our internship program. So that one is uh, Echo and Green Team are typically eight-week placements. There can be some variation there depending on the project, but typically speaking, um, the internship program is anywhere from 12 weeks to six months depending on the project and the partner. And is that a, a pretty new program for you guys? Internship has been around for about 15 years. So oh, it's wow. not it's not real new. It's lesser known um, because we don't we aren't able to offer a large number of internships. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a pretty competitive process in terms of uh, selecting. We have phenomenal partners um, wanting to partner with us on the internship program, uh, but our funding pool for that one is fairly small. That one's primarily corporately sponsored, um, and so um, we take uh, you know we take all the dollars that we can and funnel into that program and then uh, stretch it as far as we can to create as many placements as possible but um, with you know for example with the green team program we usually have you know in excess of 80 participants uh, mm-hmm. across the province echo this year we have 25 across the province whereas uh, the internship program will usually run anywhere from four to seven positions for per year and this is probably a good point for me to say that I'm part of the echo program here this summer I'm working with the heritage foundation as the broadcast assistant for the living heritage podcast Um, And one thing that we have kind of touched on is the connection between heritage conservation and environmental conservation. Mm -hmm. And people might not be aware that the the Conservation Corps does both of these things and that they're both actually really connected. Yeah, that's a really good point, Natalie. Um, Most of the time, I think people see us and they assume that conservation means environmental conservation, and we absolutely value and prioritize that. There's there's no doubt um, that um, we really want to be a part of of supporting, you know, a more sustainable, uh, environmentally aware um, province, for sure. Um, So we're we're excited about, you know, being being able to partner on that. But culture is, is equally as important to us. Um, and, um, you know, you and I were chatting a little bit before, and, and we have discussed that, you know, from our perspective and where we sit, um, environmental and cultural conservation aren't two separate streams, and in a lot of ways they're really linked. Um, if we go back to our grandparents, and in some cases their parents, and we looked at look at the ways they lived uh, in this province, um, they were inherently more sustainable. They created less waste. They were inclined to reuse everything. Um, they were, they created, you know, grew their own food and raised their own their own animals um, so they they just inherently lived a life that was more sustainable um, and I think we're seeing an acknowledgement of that in in the resurgence of things like community gardens and walking trails and um, community-based events that are designed to get people out and and you know socializing with one another around a theme that supports um, a more sustainable community in, in a variety of ways so I think honoring and, and looking back at um, the value that, of the lessons that we can find in the way that we have lived here traditionally um, in this province in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, and, you know, in Labrador, we have, you know, a long tradition um, of, of harvesting animals from the land w- with the, with different uh, First Nations groups. We have, you know, we have, a, we have a lot of really interesting and important cultural um, um, cultural ways of doing things that I think we can look to for um, lessons on how we should continue to do things in the future or 
try, you know, try to go back to as we move forward into the future. And you mentioned that uh, gardening project in Flat Bay, and I think mm. that's a really good example of, uh, yeah. also I think maybe a more obvious example of where these two um, environmental and conservation connect for people where yeah. it's doing both that Absolutely. kind of work. Uh, can you talk a bit about the other uh heritage positions that people are in this summer? Sure, absolutely. Um, so we have a position with Admiralty House Communication Museum um, with um, a young person there who is uh, gathering oral histories and oral stories um, in the in the community of Mount Pearl in that area. Um, and they are actually going to take those stories and turn them into a booklet that can be distributed throughout the community so that everybody can kind of share in that history and, and become more aware of what's going on there. Um, we have another individual in Arnold's Cove, again, and that this is the, the young person who is will be collecting stories about um, the war and you know community members who were involved or impacted by um, you know soldiers who were, were going away or their family members um, things you know uh, stories around what happened when they returned and how the how life was different um, so there's some really interesting uh, work being done there as well um, we're also involved with um, you know in, in terms of a cultural perspective um, we we, are, we have a couple of green teams that support um, the powwows that happen in, in both in Flat Bay and in Con River each year um, we've been part of those for the last uh, number of years and and you know our, our teams are always um, just overwhelmed by how excited um, they are to be a part of that process and to learn more about the culture of those communities um, and, and get to support that that's that's always a highlight for them for sure um, we also have um, in in the past we have worked with um, help assisting with root cellars uh, in Elliston and that's such a beautiful example of you know living history of making sure that we are retaining some of those you know ways and, and cultures that we've always kind of prioritized and valued um, and we have a lot of research projects where um, over the years both interns and ECHO students as well as green teams have worked to kind of gather and compile research so that it's been available um, and we often um, work with local museums to staff um, their their positions throughout the summer so that they have staff on hand um, to greet tourists and uh, locals alike and bring them in and show them um, and again that's a, a real highlight generally speaking for the young people that that we work with um, because oftentimes they're learning things they didn't even know about their own communities um, and, and being able to to kind of foster that is, is has been fantastic. That's really cool. I'm really interested in in the powwows that you were talking about. So, what mm. do the green teams do in these positions? They've done every like a really wide variety. Um, you know, we, we have young people who often, um, you know, will be given a standard seven hour day, but they show up at eight a.m. and they don't leave till midnight just because they're so excited and invested and committed to what they're doing. Um, this year, for example, we had a young team that set up the teepee uh, in, in advance of the um, the and and they had never done that before. They had never gotten to be a part of that particular cultural practice they assisted in setting up a sweat lodge um, and learning about how that works and the importance to the culture and importance to, to community members about why they exist um, we they, and then they do a variety of things throughout the weekends usually um, that can be everything from you know running water and assisting with um, um, you know, guests or performers, those kinds of things. Um, sometimes that they'll help, you know, with things like parking and <laughs> traffic control and those kinds of things. And other times they're they're on the field, um, assisting, you know, helping helping the drummers to set up, um, assisting them with anything that they need. They really get to be deeply involved in what's going on and quite often they'll, they'll get the opportunity to participate either in the dancing or uh, sometimes in the drumming. They'll also get the opportunity to um, um, work with um, community members to uh, 
perform ceremonies and, and they get mm-hmm. to be involved in those as well. Um, sometimes smudging ceremonies and other things like that. So it's been really, really um, wonderful. Like, you know, to get to be able to be immersed in your own culture and learn more about your own culture, I think for all of us is, is a great opportunity. So how, I think it's a important question to ask, uh, how can people um, apply for these positions mm. and what are the requirements for someone to be eligible to be on the green team echo or these internship positions? That's an awesome uh, question Natalie. Um, so it starts generally speaking with a call for project proposals that goes out across the, co- the community uh, and some of your listeners or other people might have an interest in saying you know what I've got this great idea and I think that we could use young people um, to work on these these projects and so they can they can kind of follow us on social media or check in with us or ask to be put on our um, email contacts we'll send out um, uh, you know uh, the notification that we're accepting applications for project positions um, and then once those have been selected we move forward with our community partners in developing work plans and um, and putting all the sort of the pieces in place then it comes to May generally speaking and we start recruitment for echo and green team in particular um, so if you have anybody who's interested in, in working on one of these positions May is kind of the time to start looking for those job ads to go up and again they'll go up through all the traditional you know job ad sources um, but they'll also be you know directly connected with our social social media sites and our website um, and they can apply um, to we'll, we'll have all the information on the job ad of how they apply and where they apply and what we need in the application uh, typically speaking for green team the only requirement is that a young person be between the age of 16 and 30 so that's really that's it and um, we welcome any and all applicants um, that fall within that category for uh, ECHO, sometimes uh, applicants will need to be returning students, uh, current and returning students, depending on where the funding comes from for the individual positions. Not all positions will require that, but some will, and again, that will be in the job ad. Um, so we'll make sure that, that, that all that information is provided and available. Um, and then come the fall, uh, the internship positions will go up, and we'll, have, uh, we'll make sure that, again, they're distributed as widely as we possibly can, and uh, again, the only requirement there really is we, we, we generally try to stick to the you know under 30 um, category as well although there can be some room for flexibility within that um, but um, the other key there is is simply that they have completed um, a post-secondary uh, program mm-hmm. yeah uh, and in terms of organizations that are proposing a position mm-hmm. uh, that they would like to have someone a student or a young person at what kind of projects are you guys looking for? Can you give some examples of, of some projects that you've done in the past with community partners? Sure, absolutely. I mean, quite honestly, the, what we're looking for is that you know the need, you have the need, so you being the community partner. Um, we, again, we don't want to dictate what priorities uh, the priorities of a partner should be. We really lean on them to tell us this is what's important in our area. This is something that's you know not been addressed or that we think we can address further or whatever the case might be. And that can be cultural or uh, environmental conservation. It goes for both, um, and uh, so when they come to us, you know, it's been literally everything. It can be, you know, wetland conservation. It can be um, habitat or stewardship remediation, or habitat stewardship or remediation rather. Um, it can be waste uh, related. It can be water related. It can be climate change related. It can be. Um, lots of times we'll have you know communities come to us and say we we really want to, um, you know, create a recreate a historic walking trail, or we want to. Um, uh, you know, build a community garden, or there's just it's as broad as it is long, and it's a proper Newfoundland way of saying that there there really <laughs> are no limits as long as it supports a legitimate environmental or cultural conservation goal of the organization or the municipality that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And this year you have some, uh, I'm just thinking of uh, some of the projects that are happening. Mm. Uh, you have some people at the aquarium in, in Petty Harbor. Yeah, that's and right. And then I think, like not everyone, I think it's interesting to note that you do have some people like out on the trails yep. and then some people more in kind of like an office yeah, position. So what what is it uh, like like people who are out on the trails, what are they doing? Um, so they could be oftentimes trail work is directly related to um, either repairing or remediating trails that it, that currently exist or marking new trails for a community. Um, but I, it can also be um, surveying or inventorying flora and fauna so that signage or, or information panels can be created um, and they'll have the opportunity to do to be involved with that in a lot of cases as well. So there's 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 a little bit of that. Um, the office work can be everything as you said we have um, one individual who's uh, researching um, how to the, or the best way to install a root cellar in the Autism Society of Newfoundland and Labrador's property. They've been a phenomenal partner of ours over the last few years. They're just an outstanding organization in the province um, and the work that they're doing um, with their, their food security and their food system is just you know utterly admirable. Um, so we have we have a student there that's that's working on that. Um, we also have, as you mentioned, somebody at the Petty Harbor Mini Aquarium who's helping with uh, interpretation and doing a little bit of research and getting to be involved in that world and see what that looks like. Um, and it's it's you know it's just a fantastic opportunity for a young person who might have an interest in that. We don't require that our young people come to us with already having decided I want to uh, to work in the cultural conservation industry. I want to work in the environmental industry um, or in a science related field. Um, they can come to us to ex to explore those opportunities and to to see if that's something that you know what what does that really look like on a day-to-day -day basis and ha and do, is that of interest to me um, we're, we're open to that for sure and that kind of leads into my next question which is uh, how did you get involved in conservation that's um, really interesting I uh, my first employment opportunity when I uh, completed uh, university was with Conservation Corps as an intern. Um, so I had the opportunity to work on a local cultural festival that was um, beginning in my, it was it was shared between my home community and a, and a nearby community based on shared heritage um, and absolutely fell in love with the concept of, um, of you know, both environmental and cultural conservation and, and the work that's being done. Sometimes I think um, I think other organizations might do a little bit of what we do in that we get our head down and we want to do the work and we're passionate and we're excited about doing the work and we forget to tell people we're here and what we're doing. Um, where the, the role that I've been in as, you know, over the years with Conservation Corps has allowed me to see some of these incredible people, incredible community groups, incredible municipalities and the efforts that they're taking um, to enhance and to build their communities, to invest in their communities. Um, and there's, you know, for me, um, I, I couldn't ask for um, a role that's more inspiring Inspiring, or that you know, there's, there there aren't very many days that I don't get up excited to go to work. Um, I love working with young people, um, and I love working with the partners that that, that I get to be invo involved with and get to connect with um, through my position. So, but I started with CCNL, and I basically told them I, I kept coming back in different roles, and I kept reapplying, and I said, you know, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to kick me out. <laughs> I'm gonna be here as long as you say yes. I'm gonna be here, and that's basically what's happened for the last 12 years. Um, I've remained with, with with Conservation Corps in a variety of capacities, and I'm now um, the program manager with the organization and and I'm privileged to be so so as a programs manager what, what does that entail for you <laughs> literally everything <laughs> it's it, you know I say I've often said to my staff I can be you know I, I can have the opportunity to meet with the you know 
provincial government director or minister in the morning and in the afternoon I'm folding t-shirts and stuffing first aid kits um, and so that's what that's what my job looks like on a day-to-day basis I get the opportunity to reach out with and connect with and speak with a lot um, of partners a lot of organizations um, CCNL also hosts the climate change education center for the province um, and has been doing that for 16 years um, our incredible amazing staff there um, you know one full-time position and two part-time positions um, reach you know in excess of 13,000 people a year with direct face-to-face climate change programming um, for a variety of to a variety of audiences uh, largely in schools um, and when you when you talk about doing that on a pan-provincial basis it's just utterly amazing what they accomplish every year and the passion that they work with um, so um, I get to be involved and connected with that and to support that work um, and then I spend a lot of my time either developing new programs um, we've had the opportunity to do that over the last couple of years in a variety of capacities um, to work with provincial partners I get to sit on um, committees at, at times uh, just to be involved and to support so I really have a, a there's no sort of standard typical day for me um, but I get to be involved with with all aspects of programming and the climate change education center that you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, is that center like f- physically located that's somewhere yeah. that some people can visit well that center is based out of our office and it's really it's really um, you know it's it's physically contained within our office and then we typically do most of the the visiting to other organizations so we take um, you know if, if anybody is interested in in climate change awareness or education or outreach or just discuss programming um, they can reach out to us and we'll happily you know, get back to them and we generally you know we, we set up a meeting and we go from there so we've had uh, we've had fantastic opportunities to meet amazing people through through the center for sure and I think that's uh, a good point to also say uh, where where can people find the Conservation Corps and if they're interested in the Climate Change Education Center, you yeah. said you guys do school visits yes, as well? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's right. Um, the best place to reach out to start with if you wanted to reach out to us is our website, which is www.ccnl.ca. So ccnl.ca is in clim- uh, Conservation Corps in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, and um, all of our contact information is listed on the website as well as all of our programs, including the Climate Change Education Center. So if anybody's interested in what we're doing or learning more or have a partnership idea, um, we're, we're a thousand percent open all the time. And you guys are also on all kinds of social media. Yes, we are. Absolutely. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and we also have a YouTube channel that shows um, a variety of videos that are, as I mentioned before, incredible communication staff have created um, about our programs over the years. And those are, you know, sometimes they're, they're, I can talk all day and then somebody will sit down and watch one of these two-minute videos and they're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> um, they're beautiful. They're wonderful. So I totally encourage that. We've also, through that YouTube channel, um, have have shown um, some World War 100 videos. We've we've partnered with um, uh, MUN through the uh, World War 100 um, funds to um, reach out with our young people, reach into their communities, find stories from World War One, and then have our young people tell, learn, and tell and share those stories um, in in video forms. And they're beautiful. There's, it's really amazing um, what we don't know about our own communities and our own history. Uh, so the opportunity to do that has been has been really cool, and we've we've learned some beautiful stories through that so that's there as well and you mentioned too that project of uh collecting the, the stories of soldiers mm-hmm. and i did i did want to ask uh, what's going to happen with those stories are they going to become a booklet or 
uh, be put in archives? Yeah, so they're they're all going to be recorded. Um, they're going to be recorded um, in term, uh, with with audio, and then also transcribed and included in um, uh, the archives for the community of Arnold's Cove. Um, and eventually, there there may be very well be some opportunity to sort of share and distribute some of those as well. Um, but I think there, you know, that that community is is one one example of you know many communities in the province who are realizing that um, we can't just say oh we got to remember that. We have to do something about it. We have to make the effort to, to collect these stories, to gather them, um, mm-hmm. and and they're they're really they're putting their money where their mouth is in terms of actually making that happen. Yeah. So it looks like we are running out of time for today, but I did want to end on saying that um, I hope everyone follows the Conservation Corps on Instagram because I am. What what is your Instagram handle? Is it CCNL? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think it's CCNL. Um, if they if they search for CCNL or Conservation Corps, it should come up. Yep. Yeah. And it's pretty cool to see, like you said, the you guys have so many community partners across the province that maybe people don't even realize the yeah. work that the Conservation Corps is actually doing in their community. Mm. So uh, check them out and, you know, see pictures of what people are doing this summer and what's going to be coming up, you said, in, in January. Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you Thank so much, Natalie. I appreciate it. Thank you, Megan. Take care. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our Heritage Broadcast Assistant is Natalie Dignam in partnership with the Conservation Corps Newfoundland and Labrador ECHO Program. We would love to know what you think of the show. If you have a question or a suggestion for a future program, leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page, email livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com, or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.